0: Thank you for listening to Elohim Christian Church's podcast. We're a place where imperfect people worship and meet a perfect God. If this is your first time listening, we're located in Richmond Hill in Queens, New York City, and are led by pastors Carlos and Rebecca Medina. If you're looking for a place to worship and to know Jesus, we would love to meet you and see you in person. Find us online at www.elohimchurch.org so we can connect. And now, here's this week's message.
1: So let's get ready to enter into the teaching of the Word. Um, you, may, you may be seated. You may stay seated. Uh, let's open up our Bibles to so Genesis chapter 28. Genesis chapter 28, verses uh, 10 through 22. 10 through 22. Genesis chapter 28, verses 10 through 22. So I realized I didn't print out my Bible verses. This has happened before. Um, And I said, okay. I said, Becky, let me borrow your Bible. Now, I don't want to blow you up here now or anything. But Becky's had this Bible since like the (laughs) mid-80s. And it's falling apart. And if I'm not careful with it, it will fall apart. And I tell her, Ma, can you shelf the Bible? (laughs) Just put it in the shelf, you know? But she she won't do that. So now um, I'm forced to read from it. And I might have to take my glasses off. <laughs> All right, Matt, uh, Genesis chapter 28, verse 10. Genesis chapter 28, verse 10. Señor ayuda, ¿no? Yeah. I have my finger on it. This, this is... <laughs> This is live. Thank you, baby.
0: Now that you said that, I'm going to tell you why I cannot give up this Bible. Oh. I'm going to take a few minutes. I was about of your to say, sermon.
1: don't forget, I have four points.
0: <laughs> <laughs> because when I was a, a a teenager here in Elohim Christian Church, back 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 in the day, I had a youth leader, and I had a, a different Bible. It wasn't a study Bible, and the youth leader told me. You, you can't use that message Bible. You need a study Bible to study God's word.
1: Yes, standing, standing. I said, you
0: need a, a study Bible to study God's word. And I said, you know what? You're right. And I spent a whole Saturday in New Life looking for Bibles, looking for Bibles, and I found this Bible, and I read it, and it's been my study Bible ever since. And it's like a journal for me. I have my pictures. I have little um, doodles on it, highlights. I, the color of the highlights lets me know when I was going through this, God spoke to me. When I was going through that, God spoke to me. I love this Bible so much. And i always thank you, thankful for that youth leader who told me, you need a study Bible. And that youth leader, I happened to marry him. And he was the one. (laughs) And not the mid-80s. I have it here and it says 1992. (laughs) It has my maiden name in it and the old church address in it, but it is literally falling apart, but I can't give it up. I feel like I can't read any other Bible. So where are we reading?
1: Verses 10 through 22.
0: And I also have to take off my glasses. Okay. Let us read in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It said, Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway. A stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord and he said... I am the Lord, the God of your father, Abraham, and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on on top of it. He called that place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey, I am taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I may return safely to my father's house. Then the Lord will be my God and this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house and all and all and of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. Amen. Dear heavenly father, we come before your presence. Thanking you, Lord, for this beautiful day and this beautiful morning you have allowed us to gather, Lord God, to worship your name, to lift your name on high, Lord God, to glorify you, Father, because there is none like you, Lord, and you do amazing things among us, Lord God. I thank you. I thank you for this time, for your word. Speak to our hearts, our minds, Lord, that we would receive, Lord God, your word this morning, and that we may not only be hearers of the word, but doers of the word for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
1: So today we want to speak on the theme, um, observing God's faithfulness. Observing God's faithfulness. So I love this story in Genesis. It's a great story. Many of us have heard this story for for a a number of times, three years, if we've been raised in church. Or maybe it's new to you, but it's an incredible story of one of the forefathers of the Old Testament, Jacob, of his beginnings um, the Bible teaches us a little bit about Jacob and tells us that, uh, that he was a, um, a twin. Uh, the Bible reminds us that he was a twin and his brother Esau was his uh, twin brother and Esau was born first. Um, and the Bible tells us that, that Jacob had a very good relationship with his mom, Rebekah, and Esau had a very good relationship with his father, uh, Isaac. And we know that um, Jacob stayed the days with his mom helping in the housework. Um, which was shepherding and cooking. And Esau, he would spend the days with his father, which was hunting. And this was the dynamic of their house. There was some favoritism. There was dysfunction in their house. Um, But this is the people of God. And and we know that one day, the Bible tells us, in Genesis chapter 25, I'm giving you some context to where we are before we read here in Genesis chapter 28. In Genesis chapter 25, after a long day of Esau hunting, he came back and he was starving, is what the scripture says, and he sold his birthright to his brother for a bowl of soup. Now, um, birthright in those times was something that was very, very meaningful and, uh, and Esau came starving, and he said, hey, give me something to eat, or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die. And Jacob said, well, sell me your birthright. In other words, uh, that, God, that, that, that our father would give me God's blessing before he gives it to you. And Esau said, what good is a birthright if you are dead? Take the birthright. And he sold his birthright that day for a bowl of soup. Um, We know that there's favoritism in this home. The Bible lets us see that uh, Jacob with Rebecca, Esau with Isaac. And as Isaac was getting old, one day he tells his son Esau, hey, go out and make me some food. Go out and hunt food and make it for me. Bring it back so that I can eat it. Uh, Esau was already old in age. He was losing his sight. And Esau says, I'm going to give you the blessing." and it also seemed, seemed like it was being done behind Rebecca's back and behind the family's back, and, and Esau does that. But Rebecca overheard uh, Isaac tell Esau to do this, and he was going to receive the blessing. So they plan uh, to, um, uh, to, to deceive uh, Isaac, and what they do is they prepare a meal, uh, they prepare Jacob, Esau was ha- hairy and he had a certain scent on him, and, and they prepared Jacob to come before the father, hairy and, and with the scent on him, and because he was older and blind, they deceived him, and Isaac gave Jacob the blessing. When Esau came in, they realized what happened, and Jacob and, uh, and Isaac tells uh, Esau, I already gave the blessing to your brother. Esau says, is there not another blessing for me? And, and Isaac shares a few words uh, towards Esau, but the blessing of the firstborn was now handed over to Jacob. Now, Jacob receives this, but Esau, in his mind, the Bible says, he comforted himself with this thought, when my father is no longer around, I'll kill my brother. Now Esau was a hunter, he was a man of the wilderness, and, uh, and we can see that it was going to come easy to him, uh, Jacob was a mama's boy. So what happens here, Rebekah and Jacob know Esau means business, and when Isaac is no longer around, Esau will get his birthright back by killing his brother. So Rebekah says, hey, let's put a plan together and let's send you out. So Rebekah had a brother, Laban, who was about a a three-day walk from the house, and they put a family plan together. Let's get Jacob a wife from our family, and let's head him to my brother Laban's house, and there he can find a wife for himself, and their idea there was to protect Jacob from Esau. That's where we are in Genesis chapter 28. Jacob is now leaving, he's on this walk, and his first night he has this encounter with God where he sees a a ladder touching heaven and touching earth and uh, angels descending and ascending, and God pours promises over his life. And lets him know that the land that he's in, um, he's going to, God's going to give it to his descendants and that God will always be with him. And, uh, and Jacob wakes up and he sees and senses that God has spoken to him. He makes a covenant and he makes a declaration of some things and says, you know, if God is for me and he does these things for me, uh, I will give him a tenth of all that I have. Right? So that's the story. Today, I want, I want us just to look at this story and observe God's faithfulness, how faithful God is. And I want to talk about Jacob's condition. I want to talk about Jacob's promises. I want to talk about Jacob's uh, experience and uh, Jacob's reaction. Jacob's reaction. We're going to see how time allows. If we get to finish it today, awesome. If not, we'll finish it next week, but I hope that we can finish it today. Observing God's faithfulness. All of us have gone through a time in life where we have just kind of walked out into the desert, and here's where Jacob was. He was walking into the desert, and we have been in a need, a need of God. Jacob's condition It's our first point today. We can see that Jacob's condition was one where he found himself alone in the desert, no longer under the protection of his mom, no longer under the leadership of his father. He's now walking to a land that he doesn't know anyone. It's not like now that you can send, you know, your uncle an email. Hey, my son is on his way. No texting, none of those things. He is on his way to his uncle's house, a man that he has never met before, a land that he's not aware of. So he finds himself in the desert, and he's running because he's afraid. He's afraid of his brother, but he's probably dealing with anxiety of his circumstance. He's probably dealing with depression. He's leaving his mother's house, his father's house. He's dealing with loneliness. He's all by himself. He's dealing with insecurity of his future, right? What's going to happen with me? The land that I'm going to be in, what's going to be of my future? So this is his condition. He's in this condition, and I love that God appears to him there. And I love that when we look at the biblical pattern, that's what God does. When people find themselves in in desert times in their lives, he appears to them and he ministers to them and he lets them know that he's not alone. You remember the story of Hagar? Right? Uh, You remember the story of Hagar where where she needs to run and she needs to leave and and Abraham cast her from the house and and she's there with Ishmael and and she's in the desert and and she's afraid that Ishmael's going to die and she puts him far from where she is and, and she cries out to the Lord and the Lord appears to her there, gives her a promise and gives her a well to drink water. In our condition, God always appears to us. I love the story of the blind man, Bartimaeus. No one wanted to help him. That was his condition. No one wanted to help him, but Jesus comes into Jericho. And he receives sight immediately. Right? I love the story of the woman of the issue of blood. She had no hope. She had tried it all. She had no hope. That was her condition. And Jesus showed up. What condition are you in today? Maybe you're going through a hard time. Maybe you're in a desert time in your life. Maybe you're dealing with some sickness. Or maybe you're dealing with some loneliness or some depression or some anxiety. Maybe you're dealing with some insecurity of what will happen tomorrow. Maybe those decisions, or maybe uh, you're in the circumstance because of bad decisions. Or maybe life has just brought you through a desert time in your life. Maybe you're dealing with hardships with your spouse or your children. Maybe you feel far from God right now. And you feel like, man, I feel far from God. I feel like, like, like God is not near. This is our desert moment, and it is our condition. Uh, and I want to tell you this morning that God sees you in your desert time, and he wants to meet you there. Perhaps we're living out consequences of bad choices, but I love that God doesn't exclude us, even when we've excluded him from our bad choices. Jacob was there because of some bad decisions that he had made along with his mom, but yet God meets him there to let him know, I am still with you. And the church says, so that's Jacob's condition. Let's look at Jacob's experience Jacob's experience, verse 11, when he reached a certain place, he stopped by the night because uh, because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and laid down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth and its top reaching the heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. Uh, Jacob's experience is what? That God appears to him. God didn't leave him alone in that condition. God appears to him. Jacob decided to rest for the evening, place a rock under his head, go to sleep, and the Lord appears to him in a dream, in a vision, with a staircase resting on earth and resting in heaven, and the angels ascending and descending, and God was letting him know, I am here with you. Angels are ministering spirits of God, is what the scripture teaches us. And the Bible is letting us know that God was telling Jacob, I am here with you. I want to tell you today that what is our experience? Our experience is that we have had an encounter with the only one that could ever touch heaven and ever touch earth. That is Jesus Christ. He's the only one that can touch heaven and has touched earth. And there are ministering spirits that have come and have met us in our experiences, in our condition, that God meets us there and he has sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to meet us in our broken condition. The Bible reminds us of this, that this is what God does. And maybe we've done something wrong Jesus is still there. Maybe desert times have come to our life. Christ is still there. I want to remind you this morning that there is an invitation from Christ to meet us in our desert times and let us know that he has not forsaken us. Jesus meets us when we need him to. He knocks on the door of our hearts. I love that even if we find ourselves in desert moments and we don't know what is next, Christ is there and he's knocking on the door of our hearts and there he still offers us forgiveness of our sins. He offers us reconciliation. He offers us healing from our brokenness. He offers us healing for our families. He offers us purpose. He doesn't say you need to do this alone, but I will do this with you. He offers you purpose and strength for the task that is before you. I love that the experience of Jacob Is also our experience that he who touches heaven and touches earth is there to speak to us, to minister to us, and strengthen us in our time of need. Maybe you're here today and you feel like, man, I'm I'm struggling in this this life. I'm in a desert time in, in our life. Your experience is this, that the only one that's touched heaven and earth wants to speak to our heart and lead us and forgive us and strengthen us and give us the purpose that we need in this life. We are not alone our condition doesn't define us and our condition doesn't tell us that god is absent on the contrary god reminds us that he meets us in our place of need and the church said and god may speak to you through different ways he may your experience may be something uh, god speaks to you through a sunday sermon it could be through a a biblical teaching, it could be through a a word of encouragement from someone else, it could be through a dream, Uh, it, it could be different ways, but God is always looking to give us an experience that will mark our lives forever. I remember a time in my life where I was young, and I've said this before, I was at a vigil with young people and It was probably the early 90s, and I remember leaning over a speaker and just feeling the presence of God in my life in such an extraordinary way. And I remember leaving that place that day thinking, God has ministered to me today in a way like never before. It was a moment, it was an experience in our lives that many of us have had. And they should mark our lives and strengthen us and encourage us to know that regardless of where we are in life, We've had an encounter with Jesus and that encounter has changed our lives forever. Our lives forever. So we've talked about Jacob's condition. Uh, we've talked about Jacob's experience. Let's talk about Jacob's promises. Verse 13, There above it stood the Lord and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac, I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All the people on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. I love that God just doesn't come and give us his presence and walk away but he speaks into our hearts and he gives us promises and i love that he tells jacob jacob i'm going to give you i'm going to give your descendants this land he wakes him up and he tells him look around this land will belong to your descendants and he tells them and i'm going to bless your descendants and i'm going to bless your offspring and he tells them i'm going to be with you always and he tells them i'm going to watch over you wherever you go i'm going to bring you back to this land and i will never leave you when i think about this God speaking these promises over Jacob's life, I imagine they must have encouraged him. I imagine when he woke up that morning, he must have been encouraged. They must have given him hope. This is not my end, and this desert is not my destiny. It must have given him hope. It must have given him a spirit of perseverance. No, no. If God is with me, I absolutely can do this. When God speaks to us, it should encourage us, it should give us hope, and it should allow us to persevere. What promises does God have for us? Isn't it wonderful to know that the God that we serve is a God of, of, that keeps covenants? That when He speaks, it comes to pass? That He's not man that He should lie, nor son of man that He should repent? Isn't it wonderful to know that when God speaks, He acts? Isn't it wonderful to know that uh, he who believes in Him will never be put to shame? What promises has God spoken over the church, over you, over me, over your family? What promises has He spoken into your heart? Would you believe Him for those promises? Even in desert times, those promises should encourage us, should give us a spirit of perseverance, and should give us hope to say, if God has spoken, it will come to pass. And I love, we can name so many promises with so many biblical scriptures, but I love that the Lord has promised to save us. Each and every one of us, we can be saved by the Lord. If you are here today and and you are visiting us and you don't know Jesus, then unfortunately your soul hasn't been put in the hands of God. If you've come here today and you haven't received Jesus as your personal Savior, then your name is not yet written in the book of life. But today there's hope for you. Today the Bible says, he who confesses Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and repents from their sins will be saved. A prayer of faith can change your life forever. He promises to save us. We're not condemned by our past sins, but the Lord has given us and promised us eternal life. That is a promise for the church. And the church says, even in your struggles Even in your struggles, that promise should encourage us. The Lord has promised to come for us. It reminds us that this is not our last stop. This is not our resting place. This earth is not our destination. The Bible says that this world will pass away. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 that the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will raise first and after that we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet him in the air and so we will be with the Lord forever. The Lord has promised uh, to come for us. Maybe this has been a hard life for you. I want to let you know stay faithful to the Lord because His promises are real. And one day we will find ourselves in eternity with Christ Jesus. These promises should encourage us, should give us hope and allow us to persevere. He promises to give us peace in all circumstances. We know that in this world we will have trouble, but we take heart because Christ has overcome the world. He's promised to give us peace. He's promised to give us strength. We don't have to do it on our own. Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. These are the promises of the Lord for you and for me, for the body of Christ. He promises to give us wisdom in all circumstances. He promises never to leave us and we can continue to list all the promises of God upon our lives. Regardless of our condition, we have an experience with God that pours out His promises over our lives. And those promises should encourage us. Those promises should give us hope, and those promises should allow us and remind us that we can persevere because if God said it, it will come to pass. So I want to remind you, God's faithful towards His people, observing God's faithfulness, and I love that regardless of our bad choices, God doesn't turn His face from us. He doesn't turn His grace from us or His forgiveness from us. No, there He meets us. He gives us an experience with Him that pours out His promises upon our lives and it should allow us to say, if God is for me, who can be against me? It allows us to say, if God has set this aside, then we are called for victory. And the church says, Amen. so Jacob's condition, we're observing God's faithfulness. Jacob's condition, Jacob's experience, Jacob's promises lead to Jacob's reaction. I love how Jacob reacts To his experience of the angels touching heaven and touching earth on that ladder. He says this in verse 16. When Jacob woke up from his sleep he thought surely the Lord is in this place and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning Jacob stood took the stone and he placed it under his head and he set it up as a pillar and poured oil on the top of it. He called that place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey, I am taken and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear. So then I return safely to my father's house. Then the Lord will be my God and this stone I have set up as a pillar will, will be God's house and all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. I love Jacob's reaction. He reacts in four ways. The first thing Jacob reacts, uh, Jacob's reaction was amazement. He was amazed. Surely the Lord is with me in this place and I was not aware of it. He was amazed how many times in our condition the Lord meets us there in a beautiful experience, speaks to us and we go, wow, God was with me and I didn't even know it. God was with me and I didn't even, didn't even realize it. It's amazement God did not let me down. He helped me. He led me. He guided me. And we give Him glory and honor because He was there with us. Amazement that God, even though we forsake Him, He didn't forsake us. And I love that Jacob says, Surely the Lord was with me in this place, and I was not aware of it. Maybe you're here today, and you're battling, and you feel like, is God with me? I want to let you know that He is with you. He's there. His presence is there leading you. And even this sermon is a word for God to speak into your life and let you know uh, I am with you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to give you what you need. I'm going to give you the strength that you need. I'm going to supply what you and your family need. And you can be in awe of God because he is faithful even when we are not. And the church says, I love Jacob's reaction. First, he was amazed. Second, he was reverent. Uh, Verse 17, he he was afraid. How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Uh, he entered into God's presence in reverence, recognizing that God was there. Uh, when God speaks to us, we need to know that uh, he is God and we are man. He is perfect and we are imperfect. He is holy and we battle with sin. And it should bring us to a place of reverence and say, uh, this is the presence of God and it draws us to worship and it draws us to say uh, hallelujah and it draws us to say there's no one else like him that forgives and restores and strengthens. It draws us to recognize his goodness and his faithfulness in every circumstance of life. It draws us to say he is truly amazing reverence, reverence. It's not religious, it's not ceremonial, but it draws us to humble ourselves and to to pour ourselves at the feet of Jesus and say, surely you have been good to me. So I love that Jacob is amazed. Jacob is reverent. And then he makes a covenant. 18, he says, early the next morning, Jacob stood, took the stone he had placed under his head and he set it up as a pillar and poured oil on the top of it. He made a covenant uh, with God. And he said, surely if God is with me, And he does these things, I am also gonna do these things. He makes a covenant. I wanna encourage you today if you have had an experience with the Lord, make a covenant that says, I will serve the Lord. My family will serve the Lord. My children will serve the Lord. Uh, uh, if the Lord has ministered to you and and found you in a condition of need and given you an experience with His only Son, Jesus Christ, that pours out promises upon your life, then our decision needs to be, I will serve you and only you, O Lord. I will give you my all. I will give you everything that I am. I will put it all at your feet. I make covenant with you that you will be my God. And I will be your son. And I will be your daughter. And our family will serve you and you only. And the church says. And I love that Jacob's response. His reaction is gratitude. Because of this promise that you have made me. He says all that I give you. All that you give me I will give you a tenth. In other words he says. Because you've been so good to me Lord. I'm going to give you back. Whatever is yours, whatever I can give you. And here he uses the 10th, but I love, I love the demeanor behind it, the heart behind it that says, I just want to give you back whatever belongs to you. I love this attitude that says, God, I recognize that you have been good to me and you have given me. So in gratitude, I want to give you as well. I want to give you my service. I want to give you my family. I want to give you my finances. I want to give you all that pertains to you, Lord, because I recognize that you have been good to me. And the church says, we're observing God's faithfulness. As we look and we hear uh, this story, we see that God was faithful to Jacob. Even when Jacob had a bad start, Deceived his brother, deceived his father, aligned himself with his mother's bad advice. He's in the desert, and his condition is a condition of need. But yet, God meets him there. As I close our teaching here today, maybe you're in a journey of life right now. And you're in a desert time in your life, and you're battling, and you feel like, My condition is a condition of need, of brokenness. My condition is a condition of of I need God to speak and to lead me. I want to let you know that he sees us there. It's the pattern of the Bible. He always meets people in their place of need. And his son, Jesus Christ, the only one that has touched heaven and touched earth, he meets us there, right, to do what? To speak promises into our lives. And let us know I am always with you. I'm going to heal you, I'm going to forgive you, I'm going to strengthen you, I'm going to save you. This is not our, uh, our, our home, our last place. We are aliens here, there is a heaven that uh, awaits us. And what is our reaction to all of God's faithfulness? It absolutely needs to be amazement. We are in awe of God. There's no one like Him. No one else does this. No one else will meet a broken vessel to bring healing just because he loves. It draws us to a place of amazement. Only God can do this. Awe of God. Only God is willing to save and rescue. But it also should take us to a place of reverence. I recognize who he is, and I know who I am. He is holy, and I need him. It draws us to a place of reverence and say this is uh, no, none other than the house of God, the gate of heaven. And his presence here draws me to worship and it draws me to change because of all that God has done in our life. Our reaction needs to be, I'm going to make a covenant. I will serve the Lord and the Lord only. In hard times, I will serve the Lord In good times, I will serve the Lord. My family will serve the Lord. Our children will serve the Lord. I don't know about anybody else, but because of what God has done in our life, it draws us to say, I make a covenant with you, God, and I will serve the Lord. And then it leads us to a place of gratitude that says, God, I recognize that all that I have is because you have given it to me. Every opportunity I have is because you have given it to me. And I want to return to you all that is yours, oh God. I want to give it right back to you. I don't want to, I don't want to keep nothing that doesn't belong to me. I don't want to keep it. I want to give it all back to you. It's gratitude, and I give it to the Lord. And the church says, Amen. As I close our teaching this morning, what condition are we in? How are we living? What desert are you living here today? God wants to give you a life-changing experience and it comes only through your encounter with His Son, Jesus Christ. And with that encounter, He begins to pour out promises upon your life. And those promises should encourage you. Those promises give you hope. Those promises give you a spirit of perseverance and your response to the Lord is, oh wow, I'm amazed that God has been so good. Reverence change covenant with him and gratitude that's god's faithfulness towards us and the church says if you have received this teaching can you give the lord a hand clap today and tell him lord help us to remember and honor your faithfulness i'm going to invite you to stand as the worship team sings this next song maybe there's someone here who you're in a desert time in your life God is reminding you you're not alone I'm still faithful towards you still faithful towards you maybe you say but I got myself here I made some bad choices he's still interested in speaking into our lives the experience with his son changes our lives forever maybe you're here today and you're part of the church of Christ but you've been in a desert place and the Lord is speaking to you and letting you know, respond in a way that honors Him. Respond because He is there for you. If you're here today and the Lord has spoken to you in a special way and you would like prayer as we sing this next song, the altar is open. We want to pray with you this morning. And if you are visiting us and you don't know Jesus, today, it's the day of salvation you can leave here with your name written in the book of life you can live here with a security that says jesus is my lord and savior and that comes simply confessing christ as your savior if you're here today and you don't know jesus would you be so bold as we sing this next song also to come to the altar want to pray with you today a prayer that will change your life forever and remind you of the faithfulness of God towards you god bless you, god bless you.
0: taking the time to listen to this message. We pray that it blesses and encourages your life.